Last month, the United Nations held its annual Climate Action Summit. Now, part of me is anticipating hearing some kind of response like, Oh, God, not another climate change podcast. To which I will just gently reply, Yes, another one. The consequences of climate change are so immense, the cost of inaction so incalculable. It's a conversation that we have to have over and over and over again, as many times as it takes. Just imagine for a second a scenario, an awful, terrible horrific scenario where your house is on fire, right? Never, ever, ever would you have this conversation. Welcome back to the sports game. Big, big match. Uh, George, uh, did, did you see that there's a fire in the basement? Quarter, period quarter. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I uh, called the fire department about that. That guy's going to... Well, shouldn't we do something? Damn it, Martha, I'm busy. If it's still burning tomorrow, I'll call them again. No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't do that. That's crazy. Would we? In honor of fighting the basement fire, we now visit the unlikely heroes of our story. The children, young people, and old, organizing and fighting the good fight against climate change. Welcome to the Eyes on Conservation podcast. I'm Gregory Haddock. We are here to stand testament. We are here because we need to fight for our future. Look around you right now. Look at all the people who are gathered here today. This is what a movement looks like. Women's suffrage and racial justice came not from the top, but it came from people like us who marched and petitioned, from people choosing to change society and telling their leaders that they better change with them or they'd be left behind. And we are not waiting any longer. And even though our so-called leaders hide behind white false teeth, are paid to say that the wildfires, earthquakes, and tidal waves don't exist, who are paid to say that climate change doesn't exist, who are paid to say that climate refugees don't exist, who are paid to say that we don't exist.
In 2007, Jim Hansen, a climatologist and NASA scientist, published a peer-reviewed study. He said, and I quote, that we must limit our pollution to, quote, any value for carbon in the atmosphere greater than 350 parts per million is not compatible with the planet on which civilization developed and to which life on Earth is adapted. 350 parts per million. This is where we change our world beyond what we have evolved to survive. This was published in 2007. 2019, we are currently at 415 parts per million carbon in the atmosphere. We expect to be at 420 parts per million by the end of the year. This is an existential threat to humanity and life on Earth. The IPCC is clear, Jim Hansen is clear, the science is clear. We must take action and everyone knows it. Yet no action has been taken. Today that changes. Today, the Northern Colorado climate strike demands five things that our officials at every level must listen to and implement. We demand a Green New Deal, respect of indigenous land and sovereignty, environmental justice for all, protection and restoration of biodiversity, and we must implement sustainable agricultural practices. They always say that us children don't know what we're talking about, and we're not exactly sure what this means. I'll tell you what this means. By a Green New Deal, we demand that the U.S., that state of Colorado, and that Larimer County transform our economy to 100% renewable energy by 2030. And we will phase out all fossil fuel extraction through a just and equitable transition, and we demand a halt to all leasing and permitting for fossil fuel extraction, processing, and infrastructure projects immediately. We demand that we prioritize the health of our families, the health of our climate, and our democracy over fossil fuel industry profits. We demand that we respect uh, indigenous land and sovereignty. That means honor the treaties the, uh, that protect indigenous lands, waters, and sovereignty by the immediate halt of all construction, leasing, and permitting for resource extraction, processing, and infrastructure projects affecting or on indigenous lands. We will recognize the rights of nature into law to protect our sacred ecosystems and align human law with natural law and to ban resource extraction in defense of our environment and our people. Three more so all of the newspapers out here can write it down because we know what we're talking about and we will not stop till we get it. We're demanding environmental justice. That means a transition that invests in prosperity for communities on the front lines of poverty and pollution, including reparations for the communities that have been most impacted by climate change and fossil fuel development. We are going to set out and target environmental racism exactly and name it. We want to welcome those displaced by the cumulative effects of the climate crisis, economic equality, inequality, violence, and a lack of opportunity all over the world, all of the climate refugees that will be created in the next few years. We want a just transition for our workers and our communities who depend on fossil fuel jobs. We are going to cut the profits of the fossil fuel companies but protect the worker. We want the protection and restoration of biodiversity. That means we would like to protect and restore 50% of the world's lands and oceans, including a halt to all deforestation by 2030. Yeah! 
demand that we protect our local wildlife, especially here in Colorado, including the implementation of wildlife corridors near major highways and developments. Finally, we have to implement sustainable agriculture, and that means investing in farmers and regenerative agriculture to end subsidies for industrial. People who are paid by the fossil fuel industry are making billions and billions per year and want to tell you that we don't have the ideas to change this. We do, you just heard them. These are our demands and they will be met and we will not back down. Let us hear it. We will continue after this. After today, we'll be striking in several different locations, more on that later, every single 6 p.m. on every single Friday until our demands are met. Uh, my name is Eric Nottingham. Uh, I am now a freshman at uh, Colorado State University, uh, and I am a climate activist, and I am representing the Northern Colorado Climate Strike. Well, we've had organizers uh, meeting every single Friday for quite some time in Denver. Um, so they have probably been doing 30 plus, um, maybe up to a year, 30 plus weeks, that is. Um, but yeah, we are currently at the second major climate strike for Northern Colorado, and we are excited to see what happens with it. I know that our last climate strike in Denver, there was 7,500 people who attended. So we'll, we'll see. What makes this one different? I think that each and every climate strike, um, it pulls on the community in different ways. And we want to make sure that the Northern Colorado community knows that we are present, knows that our demands are still stand up here and that we want change. And I think that engaging the public up here is the best opportunity to do that. May I ask you about your sign? <laughs> well, yeah, it's Bill Nye the Science Guy lighting the globe on fire. Just, you know, he's, he's a big advocate of science and um, it's also kind of a lighthearted take on a very serious situation. So that's kind of what I wanted to do. I love it. And um, what's your name and what do you do? Um, my name's Laurie Bueller. I am a, I do release of information for medical. So I work from home. Excellent. Well, thank you, Laurie. I appreciate it. Sure. And I love your sign. It looks really great. Thanks. My name's Emily Melhop, and currently I'm in the master's program at Colorado State University. I'm getting my master's in greenhouse gas management and accounting. You know, I'm looking to do something with a sustainability consulting firm or something along those lines. Uh, I really want to help businesses get on that track to reducing their emissions and taking the step that the federal government might not do for them. So I've got a few different classes where I have current topics in climate change and it's got the structure of simple, serious, and solvable. Right now we're in the middle of serious, so we're in the middle of talking about all the repercussions that we could see and it could get really horribly bad. Temperatures and sea level rise, drought, drastic rainfall, uh, disease, climate refugees, all of that. Uh, so mine is from Greta Thunberg's speech uh, to the UN. She really made sure to call out all of the governments and politicians and really told them, how dare you, you know, we need bigger action than what we're seeing right now and they won't see the consequences in their lifetimes necessarily and it's the younger generations who are really going to feel all those consequences so she's standing up for them. So. Excellent, thanks for your time, I appreciate it. Hello, my name is Eric. 
It is time to address the modern-day nemesis of civilization. In times of yore, we'd be discussing plague or even foreign invaders. But as humanity progressed its technology, our problems have become increasingly self-inflicted. We now face a problem that is growing since this, in strength since the start of the Industrial Revolution. You see, this problem began about 200 years ago when the human population was growing at unprecedented levels. Incredible breakthroughs in medicine and science allowed us to throw off the yoke of nature and seize control of our own destiny. And the catalyst of our newfound capabilities would be the combustion engine. By burning coal and oil, we'd be able to mine mountains, travel all over the world with little effort, and even smelt ore and metal at rapid paces like never before. This was a good development, but it had a price we would soon find out. You see, our pollution was changing the air around us. Famous chemists like Savant Arenas even commented back in the 1890s of our Earth's ability to capture heat and keep it. In the many decades since, we've actually learned the true nature of the modern climate problems. And to add insult to injury, we discovered that our strip mining and our inability to repair the environments once we've extracted resources from it was actually damaging nature's mechanisms that were in place that would allow this process to be fixed. For most people, this was a very sombering revelation, partially because it seems pretty obvious in retrospect. The worrisome knowledge came full force around 30 years ago, but since then our problems have only worsened. It would be neat and easy to say that we just sat around waiting to see what would happen, that our problems are because we were simply lazy. That notion, however, would be incorrect. The apparent inaction is a product of two factors. Muddied interests such as oil companies, heavy industries, and chemical plants have, a sh have strong infrastructure investments that involve around natural resources that are limited, and they don't want to see that go away because it would only hurt their industries. Also, we've had an incredibly immoral disinformation campaign by people in positions of power who only stand to lose in the face of change in a modern world. To defeat these two groups, we must change our society as much as our leaders. And that's the reason we've amassed ourselves here today to learn what we can do to express the changes we want. Climate change may seem like an impossible task, but in reality, it's no different than the many issues our country's faced in the past. Women's suffrage and racial justice came not from the top, but it came from people like us who marched and petitioned, from people choosing to change society and telling their leaders that they better change with them or they'd be left behind. Today, let's enact the following changes to our society. First, we need to separate money from our politics and from our government. This is a democracy, and in a democracy, the will of the majority must be the loudest. We must never forget that those who seek to prevent our efforts are the few. Their biggest power is the ability to use their money to choose puppets. Puppets which would not be in power if they had to get in that power serving this many. This can be done by voting in mass for candidates with a love for democracy who reject big donors and corporate PAC money. And we must remember to do this at the local levels just as much as the state and federal. We're all connected here. Our voices must be heard. Second, we must create an emission neutral or better yet an emission negative society by the end of the next decade. This means Emissions-free power infrastructure, changing our manufacturing processes and a greater reliance on reusable and recyclable products. We are all consumers, and that can't be avoided, but we can be ethical consumers. Let us choose to invest our money in companies with environmentally safe practices. Further, let's punish companies who are dirty and who refuse to adhere to our environmental wishes. 
Let's remember that in the end, they get their money from us and our taxpaying money, and we have the purse. <laughs> Lastly, and most importantly, we must never lose hope or vision. Mankind has conquered disease. We've gone to space. We've created the internet and connected everyone around the world. There is no end to our capabilities. Remember that we are strongest together and never, ever underestimate the power of each of your voices and each of your dreams. Thank you very much, and let's change the world together. I'd really like to ask you about your sign. Please uh, do. Yeah, um, can you please just tell me first off what it reads uh, for listeners who are obviously cannot see it? Well, it says, the billionaires responsible for the climate crisis have names and addresses. Okay, and what do you, what do you mean by that? What are you hoping to get with that? It just means that we know who's responsible and it's about time that we start holding them responsible for the problems that the world is facing today because they can solve it. They have the power to. They just need to listen to us and we're making ourselves heard. And um, have you been attending a lot of the uh, climate strikes? No, this is actually my first one. Okay, anything surprising about it to you or? Honestly, I'm just really happy with how many people are here considering that it's raining. It just shows how much people actually care about this issue, that they're not gonna let us a little thing like rain get in the way of what's important. That's awesome. And what's your name and what do you do? My name is Nadia Huber and I'm actually a 16-year-old high school student. What's a message that you'd like for other people to know about who haven't attended a rally yet? I guess just come because you're always going to be really surprised how much of yourself you see here. I've heard a lot of people be like, I don't think I'm going to belong. I think I'm going to stand out. No one stands out because this is an everyone issue. It is like a really comfortable setting, isn't it? It really is. It surprised me because I always get nervous coming to these things. And then I come here and everyone's just so welcoming and open and everyone's like, here, have a sign here, you know, have a pin, have something, have a little bit. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Nadia. I appreciate it. Of course. Oh, yes. Um, this is actually what Louisiana really looks like if you take if you take into consideration what is water and what is land. Can you describe like what that picture looks like to a radio audience? Yes, so this is Louisiana, and it's not the Louisiana that you're used to. It's not the Louisiana that is on every map out there. This is the true Louisiana. Most of its bottom part, the toe of the boot, is just gone. It's not really land. It's just water and wetlands. I grew up in South Louisiana, and I didn't know that this was the reality until I moved here and I researched it. At least a third of America's oil and gas goes through there. At least a fourth of U.S. waterborne commerce goes through there. All of these waterways and canals that we've built there are choking the Mississippi River and ruining South Louisiana. It's not, it's not places that people can live. People are actually being moved away from these places. But the maps don't reflect it. No one reflects it. No one is talking about this. This is... This is the effects of climate change. This is what's happening right now in America. This is the reality. Because it has not always looked that way. No. It's, the Mississippi River usually builds the South Louisiana right there like it should. But this is evidence that it's not building. It's choking. It's dying. 
it's the silt that is deposited by the river is being choked and held back by the concrete canals built by the industries to move their money up and into the country. And what's your name and what do you do? My name's Cody Cook. I'm a English major at CSU. I'm a second year and now I do this. Now I'm trying to raise awareness of this. It's a big industry. It's an 11 billion dollar industry. So no one wants to really change anything. But this is what you get. Thanks so much, Cody. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Greg. I just wanted to take a minute to say thanks for listening and being a part of the Eyes on Conservation podcast and the Wildlands Collective at large. If you are listening to this, it means that you've gotten this far into the podcast. And as a creator of this kind of content, there's nothing more flattering than people who want to listen to the stuff that you're making, want to see it, want to be a part of it. And that just tickles me to my funny bone in ways that I could just never even like fully explain. That's exactly why I wanted to take a minute to just let you know that the work we do is impossible without the gifts of people like you. There are so many things that I as an individual hope that we can do with the Eyes on Conservation podcast and places that I hope we can go and production levels that I hope we can increase and bring people, new people in and new ideas in and explore them in brand new experimental ways. We're only able to do those things with your support. So I really want to encourage you to head over to patreon.com backslash wildlands collective and consider making a donation because your donation truly does fuel this show. It would not be possible for us to make these shows without generous contributions like yours. And if you're listening to the show on a regular basis, I would really encourage you to make that donation um, because you will find that you are more invested in the show. You will find that you have more ownership over it. A simple thing like making a $1 or $5 or $10 or an outrageously generous gift like $25 an episode, really you'll find that makes you into an active participant in the change that this world needs so desperately. So again, thank you so much for listening and thank you, thank you, thank you for all of your generous gifts On behalf of uh, all the other producers and the Wildlands Collective at large, thank you, thank you, thank you. My name's Rob Terrell. Rob, why are you out here today? I'm out here um, to talk about the climate and the environment, listen to what the, uh, the youth movement has to say here in Fort Collins. Uh, I'm wondering how much, um, I can't remember the woman's name who spoke at the UN, uh, how much her sort of radical words uh, are... What? Greta Thunberg. Yeah, Greta. Uh, see if they're, what they're picking up on that from her, if they're gathering energy from what she had to say. Is there anything special that you see about this being a youth-led movement, this climate strike in particular? Yeah, very much so. she would give you some words on that, too. And what's your name? I'm Deanna. Um, I just am really excited that um, the young people have woke up, and I think that they will really enjoy the power that they discover they have 
and the power of people coming together and making demands on our government. I'm reminded of the, the, the youth movement in the 60s and 70s. We were, besides the war and civil rights, we were also talking about climate. And a lot of the, like the EPA and a lot of the climate um, regulations came out of that era. And it was a youth-led movement, pretty much. Is there anything frustrating to you about knowing that that was a movement that was happening 50 years ago and we're still having this conversation today or it feels even more dire at this moment? I'm just glad that the youth are talking about it and that they have woken up, like Diano saying, to their power and like we did back. Do you notice any fundamental differences between this movement at this time and how it was uh, in, the, in the 60s? Well, the, the movement in the 60s and 70s was a culmination of like the war and civil rights and the climate and just um, the, the so-called sexual, what I would call a gender revolution. Um, there was no internet, so you had to do a lot of work, more organizing to get everybody together and on the same page, so it was harder. It's easier now. Is there any drawbacks to that technology? Well, yeah. Be Trump is a good example of the drawbacks of Twitter and that technology. All right, hey, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Fossil fuels are paying you, doesn't weigh on you at all. Doesn't weigh on you at all. Doesn't weigh on you at all. Which side are you on now? Which side are you on? So as we talked about before, global climate strike was in September, specifically around the dates of 20th to 27th, depending on what's going on. Climate strike, the UN climate summit, these, these all kind of have dates that like fluctuate, right? They're around the same times, but there's like different events, right? That go on. Yeah, it's like a whole smorgasbord of environmentalism. But a lot, a lot happened. Greta Thunberg, aka Captain Marvel, aka Supergirl from Sweden, aka the poster child spokesperson for the global climate change movement, gave an impassioned speech that went viral this last month at the UN Climate Action Summit. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. And all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? And because massive disappointment is the norm in these situations, the 16-year-old Thunberg, alongside 15 other children, have filed a legal complaint against five countries emitting some of the most greenhouse gases on planet Earth. There's Brazil, France, Germany, Argentina, and Turkey. What? No U.S.? I'm almost offended. Almost. But instead, I reluctantly give you this. This comes despite the U.S. consistently ranking as one of Earth's highest greenhouse gas-emitting countries. How the USA dodged this existential bullet is still unknown, but 
perhaps it's because the U.S. is already waist-deep in a similar lawsuit, the Juliana v. United States case. Now, I realize not everybody understands what that is. So I offer you here a, an extended timeline, courtesy of OurChildrenTrust.org. Youth filed their constitutional climate lawsuit called Juliana v. U.S. against the U.S. government and U.S. District Court for the District of Oregon in 2015. Their complaint asserts that through the government's affirmative actions that cause climate change, it has violated the youngest generation's constitutional rights to life, liberty, and property, as well as failed to protect essential public trust resources. Eric Grant, representing the Trump administration and the U.S. government, argued that the case be dismissed. Judge Kaczynski subsequently resigned. He was replaced on the panel by Circuit Justice Michelle Friedland. Due to the Trump administration's drastic tactics before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, decided to voice the view to keep science out of the court and trial will not be implemented. As originally scheduled, on March 17, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, drastic experiments were implemented during the case management conference on April 12, 2018. U.S. Magistrate Judge Thomas Hawkins said on October 29, 2018, as the trial date for Juliana v. United States, Judge Aiken considered the Trump administration's latest procedural tactics to avoid trial. easy taking your government to court over climate change really can be. Pretty much a walk in the park. What do we do? Stand up, fight back! 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 Is it fair or right that I threw away my dream of working with animals, threw away that future I'd spent so long building, because I believed it wouldn't be enough? How is it fair or right that a 10-year-old girl knew about climate change while the people who claimed to care about their voters denied it even existing? How is it fair that while I'm spending my time explaining this right now, my representatives, my senators, and the president are still questioning how much it matters or if it is even true? Well, for the people who live in our lovely, beautiful Colorado, who love the gorgeous colors of fall and the sweet pine scent of the Rocky Mountains, I'll tell you why it matters. It matters because as temperatures rise, pine beetle populations will eat at our trees for longer and in greater numbers as the warm weather of summer continues into September and October and so on. Those trees you love so much will wither and die. Hotter temperatures will give way to monstrous fires that will eat away at those sick and dying trees, destroying not only the habitat of many species, but our own homes. We aren't immune to climate change simply because we're landlocked simply because we don't get hurricanes, or we aren't polar bears, or pandas, or whales. There are things we can do to work on this problem, but it isn't as simple as planting trees and using reusable grocery bags anymore. And we certainly cannot do it without the help of our politicians. So my final message to all of you is this. Vote. Go to events like these. Communicate with the people here. Call your representatives and vote. And my message to the people in office right now is this. 
More and more people can see what is happening, the problems you're ignoring, and your complete and utter lack of action. My generation and the generations before and after us can see your failure to protect us, the people you are meant to represent. You can't brush this over with denial and a snowflake. You can't put this on the back burner when it's already burning up front and center. To quote Greta Thunberg, the girl who started this but shouldn't have had to, the world is waking up and change is coming whether you like it or not. Can I harass you guys with the microphone real fast? So, why are you here? What'd you do it? What, what would you get out of that? Well, we wanted to spread awareness. Um, we tried to get a bunch of people from our school to come too. We're students at CSU. So we figured just the more people that we could get. Also, one of our friends was helping to organize the event. Um, so we just wanted to show him some support as well. We want to be the voice for Mother Earth because she has no voice. And we want fracking to be banned in the primary election. So. I want to see a change. Change is so simple. It's little by little. Like Little things you do every day make a huge impact, especially when everyone else is on board with it, and this is a start. We just need to spread the word, you know? The planet's dying, and there's not enough people like noticing that, and we need to speak up for people and lead the way, you know? <laughs> what they said, yeah. Like, they had all the points, you know? Like, it's the truth. Somebody's got to say what they said, so it's good. <laughs> So we have to like understand that the animal agricultural industry is so linked to climate change. Only one pound of beef has a, is the exact equivalent of someone taking 135 showers. So when we act like it's like water usage and vehicles and transportation causing climate change, yes, those things cause climate change, but just don't eat one burger because a burger is a, a third of a pound. So if one pound is a 135, just three burgers, you're, that's 135 showers right there. So we definitely need to consume a lot less meat. So you're saying if I switch to veganism, I could take like 12 hour showers and like completely be neutral. That's not what I'm saying, but switching to veganism is more efficient than just like reducing your water usage. I know what you meant, I'm sorry, okay. So in the interest of democracy, I'll just let you all say your names at the same time. How's that sound? Okay, on three, ready? One, two, three. I'm Alexa and I'm actually a business major. So about three weeks ago, I um, really was kind of opened up to environmental activism. How do you describe yourself like four weeks ago? And like, what was the transformation? What was it that you saw or heard that, that kind of woke you up? Well, so I mean, honestly, I watched the Cowspiracy documentary on Netflix and that really just opened my eyes to that industry. And from there, I joined the sustainability club. I um, kind of just started looking at the different organizations in my community that were involved in sustainability and kind of just trying to venture outside of just knowing about animal agriculture. And so I converted to a plant-based diet and I'm urging my friends and family to do the same. I'm just kind of telling them the different facts and the different statistics that so many Americans and people in general turn a blind eye to. So you're feeling a newbie to the movement. I am, yeah, um, but I'm already considering sustainability as a second major. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Um, you know, people have been at this for decades and decades and decades and decades. Are you ready to, are you, do you feel like you're ready for that? Do you feel like you're ready for the endurance fight, the, the marathon? Of course, we, we have to keep talking about it. We have to keep encouraging other people to talk about it, and we have to keep um, just promoting these different ideals. 
if we don't, then that's how our planet's going to end, and that's just the dull reality of it. I've already kind of been trying to fully invest in it, and it's kind of just been difficult getting assimilated into this culture, um, especially because so many people have been passionate about it for so long, and I don't know. I'm, I'm just excited to see what it brings.
I apologize that those who consume the most will be paying and are paying the least. We are drawing the line here. Dear Jerrica Mother, you are so soft for someone who must be so strong. Your strength gives me power to fight for you, me, and our future. And we are not waiting any longer. And even though our so-called leaders hide behind white false teeth, are paid to say that the wildfires, earthquakes, and tidal waves don't exist, who are paid to say that climate change doesn't exist, who are paid to say that climate refugees don't exist, who are paid to say that we don't exist. Still, still, there are those who see us, whose hands are reaching out, fists raising up, and we are los niños caminando las acequias. We are the children walking our rivers. We are the radiance of solar villages. We are the clean soil of our farmers' past. We are teenagers blooming petitions. We are families biking, recycling, reusing. We are engineers building, dreaming, designing. We are artists painting, dancing, and writing. And we are spreading the word. And there, are, and there are thousands of us. They have striked, they have marched, they have been in community this whole week of international global climate strikes on the streets, marching, who are marching for climate justice now. And they are marching for you, Jerrica. They are marching for us. Because we deserve to do so much more than just survive. We deserve to thrive. Dear Jerrica Amada, you are eyes heavy with drowsy weight. So just close those eyes and sleep in peace. Because we won't let you down. You'll see. My name is Esperanza Soledad Garcia. I'm a student. Uh, I'm in a way like I've been, these footsteps I follow like have been given down to me, you know. Like I have tios and tias who've been involved in like the Brown Berets and people in my family who've always been, who's, all, who's always been resisting and continue to keep resisting. So it's beautiful for me to come up here and kind of like fulfill what, what I was kind of here to do. So yeah. Like, is that, is that where you find your inspiration from? That's where you pull from when you get up there and you start talking like that, or? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of my inspiration kind of comes from, like, my people around me, like, the beauty that I see every single day. Like, they're just, I don't know. Honestly, I just feel like, in a way, like, the word just kind of comes through me. Because, like, I always find that, like, my, I, my grandfather's always, like, told me oral stories and stuff. And orally, like, it's so much more powerful than seeing it in writing. So for me, it's just, like, continuing to pass this, pass these messages on to like my relatives around here all here in Fort Collins and stuff so yeah climate action in general is 
obviously this marathon thing, right? People started this back in the 60s, yeah. if not earlier. There's earlier, you know, evidence of, of climate or, or at least environmental movement. And yet it kind of seemed to go away or get quiet for several decades. You know, it seems to kind of ebb and flow like that. What kind of advice do you have for keeping that passion alive? Mm. Um, kind of like when I stepped up on the stage, like when uh, my when my colleague Eric had said, like, Greta Thunberg started this whole entire thing. But I'm also like, yo, like, there's people ever since, ever since, like, tribal people were everything in Europe, in every single continent, this has been... Respecting our mother has been a thing. Well, here's why I ask, okay? Because I really want to approach a lot of this as as a realist about it, right? Like, keeping that kind of energy and keeping that kind of focus on the climate every single week, week after week, as long as it takes. I mean, people make a lot of promises, and then I just ask our politicians. I don't have to tell you that. What do you What do you get from that? What do, What do you How do you feel about that? Mm. I feel like there's there's so much there's so much more to be done. I feel like every single day like every time that we turn on the faucet every time we switch on the light bulbs every time that we put on a new pair of shoes should be our reminder of like what we're doing how we're doing it where we're getting it from every single thing that we mine to get it is like we need to take responsibility for all the things that we consume even this the air that we breathe the sunlight that comes and hits us like everything like we really need to be like thankful I think that's part of it. It's like a, it's a mentality. It's not just like a journey that you. It's a it's, it's a journey that you walk, but it's not just a thing that you put on a poster and you post on Instagram. Like it's literally it's a journey. You need to be thankful for everything. It's keeping all of that focus and focusing on your journey and what you're doing. You ready for it? Yeah. Thanks I'm, so much. I'm born ready, bro. <laughs> I was born ready. <laughs> it's so nice to meet you. You too. You showed up with your signs and chants and support. You're showing your representatives that you can see the problem, that you care about the problem, and that you can see what they're going to do about it. What you're doing right now is how change happens. Thank you. Uh, here with us in attendance is our County Commissioner, John Gafalis. And John... I would like you to look out at all of these faces and all these constituents. I would like you to know that we demand a ban on fracking and no more leases and permitting in our county. We know you'll do the right thing and stand up for us. And we are putting that on you right here, right now in the public where everyone can see and hear. A movement, a movement of youth, a movement of people. We will have other strikes, we will call our officials, we will reach out to our communities and advocate for those whose voices are suppressed. Each of you can all organize at your schools and address the individual each, uh, issues at each and every institution. We will do this in the workplace and all other communities as well. Finally, next year in 2020, we will vote. the future, we are the movement that will lead the way and revolutionize how people live and interact with this world. Last Friday, we were joined by 5,800 actions in 161 countries around the world. The following places broke records for the largest climate strike to date. Italy, 
New Zealand, Israel, Peru, Canada, India, Pakistan, Thailand, Greece, Austria, Portugal, and many, many, many completely stuck on our resolve and we will absolutely be here every Friday until we have our demands met. This is only the beginning. We will be out every single Friday and we will advocate. Leave, follow, call, email, and share as much as you can to make an impact. Do what you can and make an impact. I think that we absolutely should have called out the commissioner because um, I appreciate that he was here. I know that he will represent us, but if we do not hold all of our representatives accountable, no matter their party and no matter what they have said they're going to do, then we are hypocritical. We have to absolutely be that change. That means making our voices heard every single day, and that means talking to people who can directly affect uh, the issues we're talking about. So, are, you, are you really ready for that? Are you really ready to show up every Friday, every week, for as long as it takes? I'll show up as long as it takes. Why? We have everything to lose. So we have to. We have to be here every single week so that we can absolutely make sure that our voices are heard and that our demands are met. If we don't, then they'll ignore us just like they have since the 60s, since the 50s and the 40s. The indigenous peoples of this area and of this land have been fighting this battle for centuries. We have a responsibility as an entire community to come together and make sure that we have those voices heard, that we have every voice heard, and that we make sure that we have our voices heard. Because we need the change and we need it now. You've been listening to the Eyes on Conservation podcast. I'm your host, Gregory Haddock. If you like today's show, I'd really like to encourage you to head over to our Patreon campaign and consider making a donation and becoming an investor and a participant in all that goes on with the Eyes on Conservation podcast and the Wildlands Collective at large. That's patreon.com backslash Wildlands Collective. Music in today's show is from thearchives.org and freemusicarchives.org all via Creative Commons licensing. For more notes, head on over to the show's note page, wildlandsinc.org backslash EOC 186. As we wrap things up this evening, I leave to you wise words imparted from the great Bill Nye, the science guy. By the end of this century, if emissions keep rising, the average temperature on Earth could go up another four to eight degrees. What I'm saying is the planet's on fucking fire. There are a lot of things we could do to put it out. Are any of them free? No, of course not. Nothing's free, you idiots. Grow the f*** up. You're not children anymore. I didn't mind explaining photosynthesis to you when you were 12, but you're adults now, and this is an actual crisis. Got it? Safety glasses off, motherfuckers.